Unlock the full potential with your business with Leadershipity. Our proven strategies have fueled growth for countless organizations. Ready to elevate your leadership and scale your success? Book your free 15-minute consultation now. Click the link in the show notes below and let's make your business soar. We all have to find our balance. The same way that social media can be detrimental for these student athletes can be the same for you know the average Joe. We see on you go on Instagram and you see someone living this lavish lifestyle and it can be all smoke and mirrors, as we all know. And I think that that's where there's a lot of smoke and mirrors with NIL right now. There's not a lot of transparency. You know, we hear about these big time million dollar deals and, and then other athletes around the country are probably scratching their head and wondering how, where, or why. And the fact is that can take a toll on people, especially whenever there's not a resource out there to help clear the air. But through this podcast, we're, we're hoping to change some things and bring that to the forefront so athletes can you know, understand better how these deals are going down or how they were brought to the table and how you can ultimately increase your own NIL value as well. Welcome to NIL for You. I'm Rob Finkelstein. I'm the founder and CEO of Alumni Direct. I also have another podcast called Athletes and Entrepreneurs, the Alumni Journey, where we talk about the transition out of sports and helping athletes in that journey. And that's what we want to do with NIL. It's all about education. And I'm so excited. We have just a tremendous co-host. Everybody knows this guy. Welcome, Coach Trey Clark. Hey, Rob, welcome to everybody to the NIL for you show. I am super excited about hosting this show with my good friend, Rob Finkelstein. I am the CEO of the AIM NIL Academy, where we educate people on NIL and how to be an entrepreneur in this business. It is a business, everybody out there. So we should treat it as such. We're excited about bringing a bunch of information to that. I also host another podcast called the Winners Find a Way Show. Please share us, follow us, all the good stuff. Subscribe. We want you around. We want to educate you and have you aboard for all things NIL because this is going crazy, Rob. So let's talk about first our special guest today and happens to be the co-producer of the NIL for you show, Brian Rammel. Brian, is that, hey I'm not saying that wrong? <laughs> You're doing great. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Okay. Because yeah, I yeah. want to say Rammel. I want to say Rammel. How do I say it right? It's Rammel, Brian Rammel. Yep. Yeah, the rammer. Here we go. Brian Rammel is with us today. Brian is running currently the Owl Collective. Guess that school, Rob Bigelstein. I think it's a school in South Florida that actually kicks some butt this year in basketball. It's FAU. Ooh, FAU. Yeah, they did kick some butt in basketball, man. Like, come on. Like, no joke. And of course, he also is the CEO of BR Consulting, a marketing firm. So, man, Brian, lots of questions for you today, man, because these two things right now, collective hot topics, and of course, marketing for any athlete and branding and for schools, it's just all centralized. So welcome, Brian. Tell us and the crowd where they can find you online. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you guys having me on today. You can find me at thealcollective.com as well as brconsultingfl.com. You can see us on social media, The Al Collective. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. Same thing for BR Consulting. So feel free to reach out and get in touch. 
That is awesome. That is awesome, Brian. I'm going to kick the questions off for you, Brian. We want to dive in a little bit with the collective, but before we do, Rob Finkelstein, let's start with headlines today in the NIL world. Yeah, there's a lot going on. And uh, one of the big ones is that senators out there are looking to put legislation out there to make it nationalized, like the same kind of uh, rules apply to everybody out there in the college world. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, Trent, can you expand about that? Yeah, well, it's an interesting deal. It's a bipartisan bill going in right now, obviously early stage. And I like the idea of creating some good regulation around this NIL. Obviously, the NCAA still hosts a great deal of power on this. They are looking, as far as this bill, to establish a college athletics corporation of the CAC, a central oversight entity. You know, I'll just tell you right where I'm sitting from, opinion. Man, too much government. All right? <laughs> like, there's a lot of hands in everything, man. I'm tired of government getting in on it. I think the NCAA is a challenge, and there has to be somebody sitting on the player's side. I'm curious to see where this CAC is going to ultimately fall on, and it's concerning that a government entity might fall way on one side or way on the other, and it get unbalanced very quickly. Brian, what's your thought on it? Yeah, I mean, I... I think that it's not going anywhere, right? You know, the deed has been done, NIL is here to stay, and, and now the NCAA is kind of clawing to figure out what is the best next steps on how to navigate this. I think that there has to be, you know, some more laws and regulations, but it'll be interesting to see what comes from this bill. There's a lot of moving parts inside of here, and it, it's more than just players getting paid. I mean, we see the transfer portal which I don't think is being talked about enough in addition to, you know, NIL. It's it's really just changed sports forever, I would say, at the collegiate level. Yeah, and it, it's crazy all that, that's going on in that space. And uh, and the, the next, you want to talk about collectives. And, you know, this is near and dear to you, Brian, with the Al Collective. But uh, there's a story out there about the Missouri Collective. Can you uh, share on that one? Yeah, the Missouri Collective, they recently just struck a deal with a national brand of retail stores that are going to be producing. To start off, they're going to start off with a frozen pizza that features a couple of their football players. And this is an NIL brand deal for these guys. And they're planning on doing other merchandise and other foods to come shortly. So it's really a creative way on how to get these players, you know, further involved with NIL and teaching them, you know, how they can build a personal brand for themselves. You know, you think back whenever you were a child and you would see that that athlete of the month or that athlete of the year on the Wheaties box. And that's kind of the same concept here in the 21st century. And I think it's awesome. You know, the more creative that these collectives and marketing and brand deals get, the better, I think, for NIL. Yeah, for me, I got to tell you that I love the idea that it's getting very entrepreneurial, right? Like these are real opportunities. And, you know, I've had, I felt like the media is a disservice to a lot of college kids who are like, hey, this is great. And even college age kids, influencers don't necessarily need to be at a school, but a lot of people are pushing like, oh, be an entrepreneur, get a website, you'll make millions. And I'm like, man, if it's that easy, like sign me up. But I've been in this game for over 30 years and Brian, you know, we all know it, it's hard out there being an entrepreneur. And so these are some of the reps now that these college kids are getting in entrepreneurship and learning about branding and customer service, 
marketing. And it's amazing just that these lessons are becoming real. It's not fake because there's real money to be made. Yeah. It, it, you know, another question that kind of comes to mind too is with a story like this, is this something that other collectives look at and, and look to mirror? I would say absolutely. You know, with this being a national brand, you know, they're not the biggest, right? I think they got somewhere between 100 and 120 stores across three or four states. But I think that it, it proves a concept, right? You know, if they can go out here and some of these frozen pizzas sell, next thing you know, maybe the stadium is selling this brand of pizza now and these kids are making exponentially more money because everyone's coming in on game day and they want to buy the pizza because they want to support the athlete, but they also see the opportunity to feel closer, right, to the program. So I think that, you know, as time goes on, this will not be the last deal that we see like this, if I had to guess. Yeah, I'm I like the idea of a brand kind of, you said, Rob, like, you know, I, I think about one of the Buckethead brands that's becoming very popular in the college campus for football Saturday, right? I want to be out of the sun. I got my bucket hat. It's cool. You know, wearing shorts and a t-shirt. It's SEC football. Come on. Like it's, it's Florida football, whatever you're doing, it's, it's big Saturday. And I can see like the founder of a company being a lot more open to getting involved with the owl collective with the returns on their product, as opposed to giving in to saying, Hey, I'm just giving money in as a donation. Or if, you know, I know some collectives are still operating under, you know, nonprofit and maybe taking a write down. But for the most part, these are boosters trying to help kids out, improve their situation. But man, when we really dial this in and figure this out, and I think what's happening is the NIL world is really wide right now. And it's just slowly narrowing, right? It's slowly narrowing and it's going to find its path, but it's going to take a while. It's not, I don't think it's going from here to here, like, like, you know, in an hour and a half. I don't think it's going to be here. Uh, you know, we're, we're over two years into it now, right? And while I think more narrow now, it's still pretty wide open. Yeah, and the thing I see is, uh, you know, Brian's wheels are kind of spinning right now. It's like, okay, well, I got Publisk in my backyard. I, I got my Al Collective. How do we put this together? He's got a deal formulated in there, don't you? <laughs> how, do I, how do I get that uh, next week's Chicken Tender Sub sponsored by an FAU athlete, you know? There you go. So here's another interesting topic, and this is something that we're going to see more and more of, but talk trend a little bit about injuries. So, you know, you've got a, a top NIL athlete and all of a sudden, you know, whatever happens and they get hurt in a game or there's some other misfortune, how does that affect the whole NIL and the, the collective, everything going on if that uh, athlete can't perform? Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's a real question, right, Rob, is that what's going to happen when that happens, that an athlete is out for a while or becomes something significantly changes. We saw that right out of the gate with Ohio State. They had the quarterback challenge for the two quarterbacks. They chose one and the other transferred to Texas. And the one who transferred to Texas had a million dollar deal in Columbus with a car dealership. And I'm thinking, man, what happens to this deal now? Like there's a transfer portal issue, as Brian alluded to earlier. Now he's in a totally new market. And as an influencer, is it bad that a kid gets injured? Like maybe he or she is not on the field anymore, but they may be posting more and building their follower up even bigger. So their influence and engagement may be higher because they have more time for it while they're rehabilitating or doing their work. So I don't know if it's all a bad thing necessarily for a product when that happens. So 
it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays. And we were educated a little bit down at the NFL Combine this year how collectives have very, and I don't know about yours, Brian, but I know that collectives have historically had pretty restrictive language in the agreements on some of the collective money so that if kids were to miss meetings, the collective could cancel that agreement very quickly for very minimal things. And I think that's some protection so that if you're the number one and you know you do something illegal or something falls off and all of a sudden you went day, way down on the depth chart or even worse, was removed from the university, we can stop payment now and not be six, eight months, two years on a contract. Brian, what have you seen in that? Yeah, I, I mean, I would start off to say that these NIL deals cannot be pay to play. So having any effect on, you know, you you might be the starting receiver, right? And then the collective goes into a deal. And next thing you know, two guys show up from the transfer portal and take your spot. That technically should never happen. Now, what can happen is definitely if a player gets arrested or if it's an extreme circumstance, then the collective can definitely, you know, breach its agreement. For us here at the Owl Collective, we're really focused on not putting players in a bad position. So we're not asking them to sign anything that's exclusive. They're free to go and transfer and take their talents onto the next school if that's what they decide to do. But whenever it comes to, you know, this Ohio State quarterback that you're alluding to, it is an interesting circumstance because at the end of the day, you know, he's transferring to Texas. And I'm sure that he had gotten that deal in large part because some local business owner in Columbus wanted to profit off of his NIL, but now he's transferring. But at the same time, a lot of eyeballs are on that individual that might be in Columbus. So I wouldn't say it's a complete wash, you know, of the deal, but it is a tricky way to navigate because whenever it comes to transferring, obviously these boosters and collective, they don't want to pay, you know, for a player that isn't on their roster, right? But then whenever it comes into the details with the business, it still could be a profitable marketing opportunity. You know, I like what you said whenever we were talking about this Missouri collective deal, right? Like NIL right now where it sits, a lot of it's focused on payment to the player. And that's really, you know, the end all be all is, is getting the player what he needs in order or, or she needs in order to feel that they're in a good position with the university. but. At the root, NIL is going to that local business and showcasing them, hey, we can do this campaign for a branding exercise or we can do it for a return on investment, right? Where that athlete is now creating user-generated content and really getting that brand pushed out. So I don't know when that is going to come you know, back to the forefront, but I think that that should really be the focus of NIL is on how to get these athletes more involved in the community, whether it's with nonprofits or local businesses, so they can see, you know, how business will be executed after their tenure of being a student athlete. Yeah, I find it interesting on the structure of the deal too. Like if this was a frozen burrito and this quarterback or this athlete, whoever that might be, has you know 90% student followers and goes into another campus that's another 55,000 kids, they're like, hey, <laughs> we're staying with the burrito kid, man. Like, this is awesome. <laughs> like why wouldn't we want to do that? And, you know, we structure deals all over in NIL and educate kids how to do monthly recurring revenues, how to do ambassador programs, because 
If a kid's got a dollar burrito sale or a quarter or a dime and he's, you know, a million burritos are being sold off, off a link that he's got or she's got through social media. And man, what a residual sale. I mean, that's just fun and awesome and everybody's getting better. And that's the cost of marketing for a small firm is really small, right? Like they're not paying these athletes millions and millions of dollars. They're getting in something usually at a local level in the hundreds or thousands per month, which is very affordable marketing. And then the ambassador programs allow pay, you know, like success, right? It's commission kind of sales. It's on the performance of the advertisement, not the performance of the player. Mm. And that's where kids do have to watch on that. We can't do the, hey, listen, I'm going to pay you more if you score 33 points. But what I've seen creatively is these local deals go, hey, whatever Tracy scores tonight in the game. That's the percent off your sub sandwich tonight down at the local sandwich shop. And like Tracy drops in 19. Everyone's like, yeah, man, 19%. (laughs) Like, this is awesome. Like, you know, way to go, Tracy. Like, everyone's rooting her on in the stands and like, what a cool way to engage all the people. I love it. Yeah. And I'll I'll tell you what, he he kind of hit on a trend. Social media is a major impact on NIL in this space and and both for the positive and the negative. And some of the things I think we're starting to see and, and kind of some of the concerns fall into mental health. Talk a little bit about what you see in that area. Well, it's alarming, right? I mean, I think that, it, you know, and this is any student. There's so much stuff on mental health. That, I mean, you got people DMing you all of a sudden. They're in your inbox. You don't even know who they are. And they're like, hey, we should hang out and grab coffee sometime. You're like, I don't even know who you are. <laughs> like, what are we talking about? And man, you know, I really felt the weight of this last fall as you see some of the big sports and particularly that was going on in football, which is such a big TV sport. Obviously the gambling now is really hot and heavy. The online gambling strong. So man, I mean, I just think there's a bunch of people in front of their phone, giving people what for, I mean, I, I especially had this just heart passion for these kickers, right? Like, you know, you miss a field goal at the end of the game and all of a sudden the spread's not covered and, or you lose the game because the kid is, you know, the alumni, the betters are upset. Like people are saying things online that are just absolutely awful. And we, we do a lot of education on our platform about kids about, hey, how do you shut that down? How do you go away from your comments? If you're not feeling up to par, you know, you don't need to read your comments, right? Like you don't need to jump in to everything on your email. You do not have to answer everybody in your DM. And being thoughtful and wise is there has to put a, a layer of protection between themselves. And, and you're right, Rob. Like, I mean, when you talk about this NIL, it is now over 82% of the agreements and deals have some relation to an NIL, whether it's your following and how you're posting. There's a requirement for you to get into your network as part of that agreement. So literally four out of five things are directly related. So it's not like you're going away from it. So the concern for it is real. And I think universities are really stepping up in that and recognizing that and taking some real proactive steps. Brian, what are you seeing? Yeah, I, I would say that mental health is definitely at the forefront of everyone, you know, thinking about athletes and just the transition, even before NIO. I think that there's been, you know, a lot of attention to mental health for student athletes as they transition from from being you know, student to to being professional, or if they do make it to the next level to to continuing that. Because at the end of the day, 
we all have to find our balance. The same way that social media can be detrimental for these student athletes can be the same for, you know, the average Joe. We see on you go on Instagram and you see someone living this lavish lifestyle and it can be all smoke and mirrors as we all know. And I think that that's where there's a lot of smoke and mirrors with NIL right now. There's not a lot of transparency. You know, we hear about these big time million dollar deals and and then other athletes around the country are probably scratching their head and wondering how, where, or why. And the fact is that can take a toll on people, especially whenever there's not a resource out there to help clear the air. But through this podcast, we're, we're hoping to change some things and bring that to the forefront so athletes can you know, understand better how these deals are going down or how they were brought to the table and how you can ultimately increase your own NIL value as well. Yeah, and I, and I think the key there is the education. I mean, it's something that, and, and I'm glad that, you know, Trent, you're doing it. There's companies out there doing it. It comes down to, is it like the collective that, you know, might be part of that? Is it the school that might be part of it? Is it the parents? Somehow we have to come up a, with a way to get the education out there. We've talked to schools with Alumni Direct and some of the things we're doing with our podcast also about developing teams. I always call them SWAT teams where you have people like Trent coming in, like Brian coming in, where they can sit down with an athletic department with the different athletes and not only the current athletes, but this is something that expands way beyond that into the alumni athletes as well that seem to kind of get forgotten. So it, it's a big area that we all need to work on together. Another thing that's kind of interesting that in the headlines is uh, everybody knows and hears about Olivia Dunn and all the things that she's doing with LSU. And there's a lot out there, but uh, a story came out that because of her popularity, she actually has to have security now going to classes with her. Uh, talk a little bit about that, what you think, Trent. Yeah, I mean, wow, right? There's a new day, a new age, man. Like, you know, I think it's probably not unlike the actors and the politicians and people that are very popular and in the limelight. I mean, she's a massive influencer. I think she's now over 20 million followers. So it's a a significant influence that she has. Uh, The stories have been significant of LSU on the road and their AD saying they got to increase security around the busing, the transportation, and, and it brings a whole new light of issues, right? We have fans in there that aren't gymnastics fans of LSU gymnastics where Olivia is an outstanding gymnast. It's about seeing her. And so, you know, there's not gymnastic etiquette coming to these, coming to these meets, coming to these things and being the father of a gymnast, you know, she's, you know, we go to this thing and, you know, you kind of know like, Hey, there's a girl on a beam and the thing's only four inches wide. (laughs) And the things that these women are doing are just amazing. Right. And gymnasts take an incredible amount of concentration and I'm picturing this happy Gilmore moment where everybody shows up, you know, they're cheering during the drives and, you know, and this is what's going on sometimes because you have this new fan base. Is it all bad? I don't think so. I think it's kind of exciting in a lot of ways. It's opening up people to sports and things that they didn't know otherwise, which I get, I think it's really exciting, but I do think there's that lack of education across and lack of information across a lot. And, you know, as Brian touched about it, you know, people read the headlines and like, oh, every every college basketball player makes a million dollars who's in a starting five at any college. And like, man, there are 570,000 student athletes. And I, I would be shocked if 5,700 or 1% are making over 250,000 or a half a million dollars. I mean, 
that is great money and that's huge, uh, especially if on top if you're already a full ride athlete where your scholarships are paid for. That's real money to start putting away. But these athletes can be making a thousand, two thousand, three thousand dollars a month, all of a sudden making twelve to forty thousand dollars a year. And, and as a scholarship athlete, that's real money. I mean, for me as a two sport athlete, when I was in college a long time ago, that was huge money. There was no way I could make that money in a part-time job. So I think this information, these headlines are really kind of skewing the real story as usual, similar to what Brian touched on with, with fake book, right? We all, it all looks like this, but in the reality, it's a little bit faux. Life's not really like that. Brian, why don't you touch on what you think with the Olivia Dunn increased security and what you're seeing with education on it? Yeah, I, I mean, I just Googled real quick to take a look, and it LSU is actually going to completely change their rules on on meeting athletes after these events. But just to piggyback on kind of what you were alluding to, I think it's exciting as well, because at the end of the day, how many times have we ever heard in the news about anything from the gym, from gymnast, right? You know, I, I don't think there's ever been an influx in people going to watch gym meets. And then now this has happened all because of NIL, because of, of a character and their brand. And I don't think that it's going anywhere, especially for, for sports that might not have as large of a, an attendance, right? I wouldn't think too far about, you know, the next tennis match maybe blowing up because of a, of a star, right? It's not going anywhere. And, and as athletes continue to build their brands and they get bigger brands at this point in their careers, I think that, you know, that is only more opportunity for them to be able to, to cash in and, and also set themselves up for success after their collegiate career. I just want to say one thing. I, I just can't help but think the exact same way, Brian, on this with, I foresee like people lining the river in downtown Iowa for the crew meet and like going, this is awesome. Like people would never have gone to crew. We, we used to average 12 fans and, and one was unrelated to somebody in a boat. Right. And now all of a sudden we are lining the banks with people that may want to come see this because they've been influenced by somebody's brand and, and their message and they want to come and, you know, Rob, I'm going to flip this over to you because one of those big influences that I think is, is really significant is NIL for good. And, you know, an athlete all of a sudden goes out and raises a bunch of capital and a bunch of means for an organization that they're passionate about. And people catch fire on this thing and go, hey, I want to go to the field hockey game and support this young lady. Like, how do I get to Colgate's field hockey game this Friday night? Like, this is awesome. And, and let's sell like Utah did for a gymnastics meet. We have 400 tickets that we've never had had anywhere near this in this kind of scenario. So let's get excited about that number and change some things the way people are seeing sports and these kids. I think it's fun. Yeah, I think you're right. I think if we start looking at NIL for good and just some of these athletes taking, and there's been different stories out there. I mean, you hear stories about, like, say, Thanksgiving, for example, where an athlete made some NIL money and then took that money to give uh, turkeys to unfortunate people in that community. I, I think that's we're going to hear more and more stories about that each week. We're going to highlight that just looking around the country at what some of the good things athletes are doing. Everybody kind of gives a little bit of a bad name, like you said, to these uh, athletes that are making huge amounts of money. But I think there's a lot more to it that we want to expand upon. Uh, one other quick note, too, and you, as you were talking, I was thinking about 
another area, athletes are swimmers. And I, I don't think there's been too much NIL out on swimmers. I was talking to one former collegiate athlete and uh, had gone to Olympic trials and all that. So I think that will be another area. And I, I guess one other question that comes with that is, Brian, talk a little about what you see with NIL and Olympic athletes, you know, that are collegiate athletes. We haven't had, uh, personally, any Olympians over at FAU, so I, I don't have too much insight. We do have a couple of All-Americans, which could potentially make it to that level, but I don't have too much personal experience, so I, I wouldn't be able to provide too much insight on that. How about you, Trent? Have you seen anything in that area? Because it just seems like there's a lot of things going on with Olympic athletes, a lot of things out there, mental health and financial literacy, like issues they have with that. Are, are you seeing maybe more of a movement uh, with the Olympics coming up where the NIL athletes might get more involved? Well, I think it's a huge benefit, right? I mean, the whole thing is about your influencer campaign. So all of a sudden you hit world stage. And I mean, that's a whole new audience, right? Because it's like, hey, I've never actually done an interview with the BBC before. I've never done, you know, with medias that like all of a sudden you were front and center in the Olympics competing. And it's awesome. We saw it in the World Cup for FIFA for the men last year. And now you've got the women going on right now, which is just building their influence campaign worldwide. And it's funny because if you're a global brand or you're a localized brand with an e-commerce platform, and all of a sudden you see like, man, I've got a bunch of orders coming in from Western Europe. This is great. Like, Who's driving this? Well, you know, part of it is what they saw in the Olympics. Part of it they saw from different environments. So it's another way I think the world got smaller. But man, I think all those opportunities for athletes is real to gain influence and gain followership and build new networks. And I'm kind of reminded of, uh, there was an old movie that was uh, playing out that you know, this guy in the U.S., and he plays the flute, right? He's like, uh, yeah, but he's like huge in Europe. He's got like the European tours and like nobody really knows who he is in the U.S. But like he walks anywhere into, like anywhere in Europe and like, oh my gosh, there he is, man. This is like the number one flute guy in the world. And it's just like very odd to think that someone can go out and make millions of dollars in another environment because it's important. We see it in the equestrian world, right? Where people are like, whoa, hey, I, I go do this. My, my daughter's been involved with uh, vaulting. And so she's been into Germany. Like that changes things like for her network of people, people she knows as coaches, things in this thing. And, and of course that's a, it's a big environment there and there's a major equestrian presence in Germany. And, and all of a sudden it's expanding opportunities for people and vice versa or conversely, if there's a European brand that really gets excited, that wants to get into a U.S. brand, and they've got this person that they see a lot of people locally following, and it's into that market that they want in the U.S., all of a sudden, isn't it fun that a, a young lady sitting on a rodeo or an equestrian college team all of a sudden has a brand deal with a European brand and is making $1,000 a month from a brand that's now gauging themselves into the Western world of the United States where they've got a pretty popular and loyal following in that space. So it's just, to me, it's just fun and exciting. Like Brian said, I mean, I think it's wide open and it's fun. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and uh, we're going to kind of, one of the last topics that we want to cover today and, and uh, one of the big things that's near and dear to Brian's heart is uh, collectives. And Brian, if you can explain a little bit and kind of tell our audience, I mean, some of them are novices, some are experts, talk about what a collective is and then share some of uh, what you're doing uh, with the Owl Collective. Yeah, absolutely. So 
collectives can be either for profit or non profit. There's a lot of controversy and stuff going on in the media about that. And eventually we will see what the NCAA decides from a non profit standpoint. But basically, a collective is just in place to help facilitate opportunities to the student athletes, normally of a specific institution for NIL. So we start out by getting in touch with the athletes, finding out who's interested in NIL and really what are they passionate about outside of their sport. And sometimes, you know, we can find opportunities within the sport as well and catering to be basically the student athlete's wingman to go out there and find them deals and opportunities. We've seen sports agents and NIL agents pop up across the country now as well. So it really is an interesting space. But at the end of the day, the goal still remains the same, and that's to help student-athletes of a specific institution to better themselves and really build that brand and find opportunities for success after their athletic career. I also wanted to kind of jump in on what Trent was talking about. It really is an interesting time right now, too, for local businesses as well as these athletes because, you know, We'll talk about FAU selfishly here. You know, if you would have done a deal with an FAU basketball player, probably for a minimal amount, maybe a couple hundred bucks before we get into March Madness run, that would have been a great way for you to build a brand and get your brand out on a national scale. So, you know, finding these athletes before they get into their season and really start to have success and gain that media attention it can be a great effective way for marketing local businesses especially. So I think that as uh, this NIL thing continues to grow and more business owners start to take a look at it because everyone's doing influence marketing at some point, right? UGC has got to be the hottest three-letter acronym in the market right now for the past year or two. And everyone's trying to get it, but now you have the opportunity to use a student athlete for that UGC, something that everyone in the community can immediately identify and get behind and wants to support. And I think that as these collectives grow and get more involved, that's going to be a huge part of, of bringing NIL to the forefront at these different universities as well. What, what does UGC uh, stand for, Brian? User-generated content. Okay, great. Thank you. And, and then uh, you brought up, a, it's a great point for these local businesses to get involved in their communities. Now, is this something that, like, where would the businesses go? Do they go to the collective? Do they go directly to the athletes? Like, what's the pipeline? How do they uh, get involved in this? So that's where the collective can be contacted directly 100%. There's softwares out there where, you know, Open Doors, for example, they're kind of like the gorilla in the marketplace, I would say when it comes to technology and getting connected with athletes. You can go there and you can input all of the information on what you're looking to do with a campaign. But that really is a big hurdle right now in NIL is local businesses not necessarily knowing where to go. So that's what keeps the collective going here. We are doing active outreach to get in touch and have these conversations. What are they expecting and what can success look like when working with, you know, the student athletes of FAU? Yeah, I'm super excited about like 
what you just said about user-generated content, man, I'm thinking about, you know, for us personally, like, hey, I would have loved to have had some kid from the FAU program, you know, doing two, three posts a day during March Madness. And one of those posts says, hey, I got my NIL training at NIL, you know, AIM NIL Academy. Like, man, that would have been great for us. I probably could have paid a kid $250 of that back in February, right? Before the whole thing got started. And then he goes on to do that. I mean, that would have been worth, you know, millions to us as far as onboarding kids that go, man, I got to learn about this stuff before I go to college. And what a value that would have been. I mean, the, probably the cheapest marketing of all time. And people don't know that reach. We had an example of a good user-generated content. A young lady who posted a, a post about a ornament. It was a Halloween ornament that goes at Christmas time. Post went crazy. And I mean, that top line sale for that revenue, they were, they were doing forty, fifty thousand dollars in sales per day off that post. So if you're an ambassador on that and you're getting some commission of 10% of sales, I mean, what college kid couldn't use five to ten thousand dollars a day on those on that post? And the other thing about what's great about influencer marketing and campaign, and you know, we might talk about a brand like ShopType who can do like use a link and other influencers can use it to gain commission. That's a pretty cool concept. And when you have things like that, they don't just die overnight because it's popular. It might be 50,000 in sales the first day and 36 the second and 27 the third and 19 the fourth. I mean, and it'll slowly get back to your eight, ten thousand $10,000 a day sale or whatever their regular was. But it's not like just stopped and the spigot turned off, right? So it's super exciting about how user-generated content really changes. and getting these education on these platforms, as Brian talked about, there's a lot of really cool brands that are out there that are doing really good platform development. So helping both the student athlete, the collective like Open Doors, Base Path is one that we're, we're partnered with. And they do such a good job of having a very good handheld device, DocuSign, easy ways that we can use technology to get comfort for the brand itself, what they're getting into, the athlete themselves, and there's visibility for everybody. There's visibility for the athlete, there's visibility for the university, there's visibility for the collective, and there's visibility for the advertiser, which is great. I mean, Brian, you talked to that a little bit from you as a consulting person now, put on your marketing hat for a second, and like, hey, I think this is what you're probably preaching and going for with your brands as you're talking to them on the value. Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, whenever you talk about value, you're not going to find a better bang for your buck whenever it comes down to picking that athlete before they really get going into their season. Whenever you're looking to pay for user-generated content, you're going to pay you know, a couple hundred dollars to any Joe Schmo on one of these multiple softwares that you can go and access. Or you're going to go over to Fiverr and get a complete nobody and spend zero dollars, right? You're going to spend, you know, less than 50 bucks, right? But no one's going to have any brand identity. Whereas you can go get this star basketball player or female athlete to do the video. They put it out on their following, which already has local traction and attention. 
And then you can take that as a brand and run that. And people are going to be able to identify with that athlete and already have seen it maybe once or twice along the way. So the amount of impressions and the clicks that you'll get, they're going to be astronomically more than just picking some random person on the web to do the content for you. So when it comes to value, you know, there's not many better ways that these businesses can can get it. And you said jokingly, right? Million dollars is what that user generated content from a basketball player could have been worth for March Madness, but that's not too far off. I mean, no, no. When these athletes were at March Madness, you know, that's the time when brands were really reaching out and there were six figure deals going on during the tournament, a hundred percent. And brands go towards that because they're on TV all the time, right? It's a hot moment and there's a lot of attention to be had. So you know, getting in with the right athlete at the right time can save your marketing budget and really get you to the forefront of places you never even expected to be. <laughs> I have two things, Brian, I want you to talk to, which is one, you know, I thought about last March Madness where the kid from the small East Coast school, man, what was that little school that just did so well last year? I can't even think of it. And they did, uh, you know, what they call them, like Johnny Buckets or something. And he ends up getting that big Buffalo Wild Wing. And the value to me was not only one, the size of the agreement, but what I think Wild Wings did so well was they got all sorts of media around that deal, right? It was one thing that the kids posting, they had, I don't know how many media outlets picked up the story of the kid, right? And so all of a sudden, that's a huge upswing on all their possibility for branding and everything else. For Wild Wings, I thought it was huge. And then two, talk a little bit about, it's often said that the student athletes have four times the engagement in their influencer network to a normal influencer. And I always equate that as, hey, someone's got 100,000 followers for ease of use, and they might get 5,000 comments on a post and they might get 5,000 shares, anything that would include any engagement. And so now you've got these athletes where, hey, if I wanted 5,000 engagements and I've got 4X, I only need 25,000 followers to produce that same number because we're, we're so fan-driven. We like our heroes. We're following close. I, I know this person personally. There's more to it. Brian, can you speak to those two things? Yeah, absolutely. So funny you bring up, I did another quick Google search here. We are talking about Doug Eddard and he yeah. played for a small school called St. Peter's and they made a, yes. a big tournament run. And funny enough, FAU, we played him and off of his deal and, and getting all this attention, we really, we really stuck it to him. I think in our stadium, we were passing out these little mustaches. He's kind of going viral because he's got this 70s look with the mustache. It's all good stuff. You know, great deal for him, great deal for their school. I mean, their school, I think, has something less than 5,000 students. Yes. So they really blew up. And, you know, that is a great example of how, you know, finding the right teams or the right athletes at the right time can really get you to another level when it comes to marketing. Now, to get to your other point about athletes and being more engaged, when you think about marketing, it's easy to find these pages with tons of tons of followers, right? But then you go look and you see 10, 20, 30 likes on a post and something's not adding up. 
And I think that, you know, as social media has evolved, people have become more understanding of, of fake followers or the thought of engagement, right? You know, not everyone knows engagement is likes, comments, shares, uh, interacting, right? And when it comes to student athletes, these people are at, you know, a lot of these people are at a point in their career where they've never had so many, you know, touch points with individuals. You've got coaches, you've got fans, you've got advisors and and all these different types of people trying to get in touch with you and that are following you. So it makes sense to to use student athlete, right, for a campaign because they're going to get way better engagement. And depending on what your product or service is, a lot of the times it can be a lot more niche and focused to cater to the audience that you're really trying to serve to. At the end of the day, you know, advertising is all about getting a brand or a product in front of someone. And if you find the right athlete at the right school of where you're looking to cater to, it can be, you know, life-changing. And in some instances, you know, going back to the product that you kind of spoke about, it sounds like, you know, if you make an extra five, ten thousand dollars a day as a student athlete, that can be some pretty life-changing money. I'm gonna give my tip of the week here on kind of what we talked about, Brian. Real quick, and then I want to flip this over to Rob to kind of wrap us up here because this has been awesome. Thanks so much, Brian, for coming on and sharing your knowledge. This is huge. My tip of the week for every, both a brand and a college athlete is something I'm going to kind of write on what Brian just talked about. We, we have now more knowledgeable about our networks, about our engagement. If you have a young college athlete in your town that's very popular, I highly recommend if you own a used car dealership, they have a significant significant network to get involved with a student athlete. Their network is going to be about 90% 18 to 25 years old. And guess what? They're going to school and they all need cars. <laughs> they all need a car, right? And if you have a used car network, which is a very tough market right now, and people are trying to figure that out, partner up with an athlete with some influence who can represent your brand well. And for those athletes out there, where are you going to look? If you don't know who's in your market, you should be looking. If you have a market of 50 to 60-year-old women, stop trying to get shoe deals with somebody. Like That's not what your people are buying. Your market is going to want certain things, and you're going to want to try to pair brands with that market and make that make sense. Yeah, it all wraps up, we say, is uh, there's opportunities on all sides here. There's opportunities for businesses from a marketing perspective. There's opportunities for the athletes. And you know, the key about this show is we're going to continue to highlight different areas. It's all about education. It's, it's an important thing uh, in the NIL space, which uh, is big to Trent. And so look at us each week as we come up with uh, the various topics that we've talked about today and some other areas as well. You can follow us uh, on our YouTube channel at nil for You. And you can find us all across all podcast networks. So it's been a great show today. Brian, thank you so much for uh, joining us. Trent, as always, a uh, great co-host. Love doing this with you. Uh, any parting thoughts, Trent? No, just thrilled that uh, we could kick this off with uh, co-producer Brian, the Rammer, Ramel. I'm just uh, always excited that we could uh, spend some time. Uh, you can see these cool logo designs. Obviously, he's a marketing guy. And so, you know, we're... Uh, Always grateful to have Brian's input. And man, I just learned a ton, Brian, about Collective today. Very thankful for that, man, and and jumping in. And that's what we're all about is just uh, 
teaching, teaching the parents, teaching the kids, teaching the athletic directors, teaching the coaches. There's just a lot of information and it's just unfair to have everybody be expected to be an expert on this stuff. And we're trying to all learn together. Absolutely. Appreciate you guys having me on today and uh, looking forward to some amazing guests coming up here and seeing how all this NIL shakes out here as we head into year three. Grammar, where can they find you? You guys can find me on social media at the Owl Collective, as well as at BR Consulting FL. Uh, you can visit the dot coms of either one of those. And if you have any specific questions or, or want to get involved with the collective, feel free to reach out to our email sports at the And thanks for tuning in, everyone. 